Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. The Reverend Franklin Graham leads the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Samaritan's Purse. We caught up with him before he gave the keynote address at the Illinois Family Institute's Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet in November 2019. Since that time, America has been hit with the pandemic, riots, and an election battle that could become even more divisive after the election. But Reverend Graham's comments remain relevant. Reverend Graham... What should Christians be doing to promote and protect faith, family, and freedom? Well, first of all, I think uh, to protect that, we need to, you have to get engaged politically. And what I mean engaged politically, uh, you have to inform people what the politicians stand for and what they believe in and what they they support. And we've got to vote as, as believers for politicians who support our values. Uh, If we vote for a politician that doesn't support our values, we're just wasting our vote and we're putting our our freedoms at risk. And so, I mean, I'm not a politician. I don't go out and campaign for politicians, but I certainly want people to pray before they vote and consider what these politicians stand for. I'm not saying that every politician is going to be a Christian, and they're not. But there are some that uh, will be, they won't be Christians, but they will stand for what we believe in. They'll be pro-life, which is extremely important. And uh, they'll support religious uh, freedoms, liberty. That's very important that we we vote for people like that. Uh, And I think what's happened, the church has just been asleep and we've been thinking, well, we've got to have separation of church and state. That's a bunch of bunk. We have every right as Christians to vote. We have every right as Christians to be involved in the political process. I would say pray before you vote, and but consider what those politicians stand for and vote for those that believe in our values. So if a politician isn't right on life? Certainly it's a big one for me. If you take like for the presidency, I, I believe the last election was not about her lost emails, bad language or whatever. I think it's about the Supreme Court. And, uh, and I think many Americans felt the same thing. Uh, who do you trust uh, to nominate the Supreme Court justices? If it was Donald Trump, then you'd vote for him. If it was Hillary Clinton, you'd vote for her. But I think it was very clear, and that's what we have to be, uh, we have to understand. Back in 2016, you spoke in Springfield, Illinois, where you told a crowd of several thousand people, including me, at the state capitol, that the only hope for America is to put our trust in Almighty God. That's the only hope. Why do you still believe that? Oh, because first of all, our politicians are the ones responsible for the mess that we're in. And the Democratic Party is not going to fix it. The Republican Party is not going to fix it. Only God can fix it. But God can use, he can use a man or he can use a woman to bring leadership. And if the, if the believers pray, and if we, if we pray, I really, I'm convinced that uh, God will hear those prayers and he'll honor those prayers and answer those prayers and, and give us uh, men or women. If you just take the, the current president, uh, he's pro-life all the way down. He, the vice president, Mike Pence, 
Uh, they've already uh, done very good and appointed two Supreme Court justices, appointed the other judges. Most of those, not 100%, but uh, over 90% of them would have been probably judges that I would have approved of. And there's always somebody's friend or somebody's uncle or somebody's whatever gets put in the list and gets through the system. But um, I think the president has done extremely well in getting pro-life judges on the bench. Well, there are a lot of Christians who are never Trumpers. They worry that Christian leaders who embrace the uh, president and his policies are tarnishing the faith. Well, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, you have to look at what he's done. Uh, he's done more for the African-American community and by us, more African-Americans are, are working. He's done more for the uh, Hispanic community by more Hispanics working. And it's, he, first of all, he's not a politician. He's a, he's a business guy. And for these people who are never Trumpers, I don't understand it. You know, we only had two choices, him and the other. And he's done a, a tremendous job as it relates to pro-life. The Democratic Party is, uh, is for abortion. They support that. And uh, they're very clear on that. Want taxpayers to pay for it. No question. And, and that's, um, so uh, for, for these never Trumpers, you know, my, my question to them is, then, then what, what do you really believe in? Are, are, they, they must support abortion. Uh, then it must not be pro-life. I, I don't know. Uh, and it's not just the president. We have to think of other areas that are so important. Local elections are extremely important. Uh, who's our mayors and, and who our congressmen and who our senators are. School boards, uh, the, one of the big problems in our country today is we've lost, the, we have lost our universities, we've lost our, our schools to people who are socialist. And it's not just in Illinois, but it's, it's all across the United States, almost every state. And we got God-fearing men and women to run for school boards. And I think we could turn this country around in 20 years. Really? I, I think it could. If, yeah. if you had men and women of God who believe the scriptures. And, were, and you know, if you're sitting in a school board and somebody presents, well, I think this is a, it, it may be a book that would be very pornographic. And they say, we think this would be a book that would enlighten the minds of our young people. To have a, have a Christian there say, you know, I think that's a bunch of trash. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm not going to vote for that. As a matter of fact, there's more of us now on this school board than there are of you, and so we're voting that down. Library boards, especially now. No question. We need, we need, and we have to have people that have a, a thick skin because they will come after you. They will attack you. They'll call you intolerant. They'll call you homophobic. They'll call you whatever they want. They'll just make up names. But you've got to have a thick skin and say, okay, you can call me all the names you want, but... We're not changing. We're not going to have that book. You've been called all the things. So that's just, you know, but we go back to these never Trumpers. I've had a few of them I've talked to, and I just don't understand it. He's not a perfect person at all, uh, the president. He's made lots of mistakes in his life. But a lot of the things they accuse him of and things that he has done were not done while he was president. These were done 15, 20 years ago or longer. And uh, so they're going way back into his past. I, I look at a person where they are today, and, uh, and I'm very happy uh, with what he has done so far. Is Donald Trump buying Christians time to get their houses in order? I think so, no question. I think uh, we have a, a little moment of time right now where we can get some things done. 
Uh, but this isn't going to last. If we don't get our schools back, if Christians don't get engaged, if Christians don't vote, if they listen to the mainstream media and believe that, then we're sunk. And sooner or later, there's going to be a Democratic candidate that's going to win. And it'll probably be sooner than later. And I, I believe that um, we will see this country take a moral nosedive. We already saw it under the previous administration, how quickly things begin to deteriorate in this country. It's going to get worse. A lot of conservative pundits suggest that the 2020 election is a choice between socialism and liberty. Yeah. What do you think is at stake in the 2020 election? Well, no question. The Democratic Party has, uh, has embraced socialism. And, it, and it's scary. All you have to do, is for, again, for, for Christians, look at what happened in Eastern Europe when the, the socialist took Eastern Europe or the communist when they took it. The church, they closed churches. I was in Moscow not long ago and I met with some of the leadership of the Orthodox Church. And so I asked, this man was the number two man in the Orthodox Church. I said, under communism, what happened to the priest? We know the churches were closed. They were confiscated. They were turned into libraries or whatever, but they closed the churches. What, but what happened to the priest? He said, they killed them. They killed them all. Now this is the number two man in the Orthodox Church. They killed them all. He said, if you would like to see the graves, I can take you outside of Moscow and you can see the graves. He killed them all. They closed the churches. They closed the seminaries. And if a pastor spoke out, uh, they would be imprisoned. This is what they want to do. They want to take our First Amendment rights out, take those away from us. And so I think there will be taxation on churches. There will be, the churches will be forced to accept homosexuals, uh, pastors. Uh, we have to ordain them. I think that's, they will force that on us. We, we don't have the right to, to choose who we want to have on our staffs. Uh, we'll have to be an equal opportunity employer as a church. So let's say a Muslim wants to come work on the church staff, we would have to hire them or someone who is bisexual, transgender person. Th that would be forced on us, I believe. Well, that does happen. Would it be wise for Christians to engage in civil disobedience? <laughs> well, uh, I think that at some point you have, to, you have to stand up and you have to speak out. Listen, the most important message that we have is the gospel. And because there's power in the gospel, that God sent his son Jesus Christ from heaven to this earth to take our sins. And he died for our sins on the cross. He was buried for our sins. He shed his blood for our sins. And God raised him to life. And this, this message right there that I, just, that I just shared with you has supernatural Holy Spirit power behind it. People ask me, how does it work? I have no clue. All I know is it works. And for us as the church, that's the most important role we have is to preach the gospel, present the gospel. But at some point, we're going to have to say we can't do what the state is wanting us to do. We can't go there. We can't do that. We'll have to make choices. Uh, and and there, there will be very difficult choices. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. Our conversation with Reverend Franklin Graham will continue after this. This is Hugh Hewitt for townhall.com. 
Anti-Catholic bigotry has no place in the confirmation hearings of Judge Amy Coney Barrett to serve as Associate Justice on the United States Supreme Court. It was the liberal scholar, Father James Martin, who wrote 20 years ago about the bane that is anti-Catholicism. It's often been called the last acceptable prejudice. It isn't acceptable, not then and not now. The country may be about to see who among us still harbors this prejudice. In the 2017 confirmation hearing for Barrett, Senator Dianne Feinstein infamously said to the judge, The dogma lives loudly within you. This open attack on Barrett's beliefs was roundly and rightly condemned. It should not be repeated. When it comes to a nominee's faith or a lack of it, Article 6 of the United States Constitution makes it clear, quote, No religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. That's an absolute prohibition in the Constitution, and any senator who violates it should be ashamed and shamed. Judge Amy Coney Barrett ought to have a respectful hearing and a quick confirmation. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Let's continue our conversation with the Reverend Franklin Graham. It was recorded at the 2019 Illinois Family Institute Fall Banquet at the Tinley Park Convention Center. You're raising some big concerns about the Equality Act that's already been approved in the U.S. House. Just how dangerous do you think the Equality Act is and what can Christians do to stop it? Well, it's who you vote for uh, this next election. And uh, again, and, uh, the Republican Party is not a Christian party by any means, and, and neither is the Democratic Party. But the Republican Party, and I'm an independent, I'm not, I'm not a Republican, they are more supportive of our religious freedoms than, than anyone else. And I think they will protect our religious freedom as long as we have this president. I was with the president at the UN, and he delivered a message about on religious freedom, challenging the world leaders to respect the, the, the religious rights of individuals, whether you're a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian, a Yazidi, whatever you're, but to respect religious rights and freedoms. No other president in the history of the United States has ever done that. The Bushes didn't do this. The Clintons didn't do it. President Obama didn't do it. Uh, but yet this president did. And um, the Equality Act is dangerous. And it's got a nice sound. And they're very good at picking great titles. Equality. Everybody, equality. Everybody's for equality. Yeah. But it is very, very dangerous. And it's going to undermine uh, the people of faith. Well, how should Christian parents respond to the LGBT history mandate coming to government schools in Illinois? Well, <laughs> um, there are other alternatives. Uh, you can leave, <laughs> go to another state. That may not be practical. But you can certainly uh, speak out and refuse to accept uh, what they're mandating. And you can go into other schools. There are private schools. Homeschooling. Sure, absolutely. And I think those are the choices that we just have to do. I think I've heard you say that Christian parents ought to get their kids out of the public 
government school system altogether? Well, it depends on where, where, where I live. Uh, our public schools are, are still good. And there's still Christian teachers within the public school system. And um, so I'm very thankful and grateful for that. But it's not true everywhere. First of all, it's very important that parents give their children a Christian education at home. That they have the Bible every day read in the home. That they, before they go to school, my parents did this with me, we'd read a few verses, my mother or father would explain it, we'd get on our knees and have prayer. On our knees, praying for uh, our country and for friends, missionaries, whatever. And we did this as a family in the morning and in the evening before we went to bed, the Bible was open and some verses were read and we got on our knees and we prayed. And our parents did this. And if my father was there, he led it. If my father wasn't there, my mother led it. But we have to give our children a Christian education at home. Unfortunately, so many kids today don't know the Word of God. They don't know the scriptures. The, the parents say, well, this, that's the churches. We'll take them to church, let the church do it. Well, there are a lot of churches that don't do a very good job at that either. It's the responsibility of the parents to teach and ground their children in the Word of God. Well, if someone is attending a church where the pastor does not speak on the issues of our day about some of the moral problems our nation is facing, abortion, LBGT mandates, etc., what should folks do? Well, first of all, um, I, I don't necessarily blame the pastors. What happens is the pastors have preached on these things and somebody in the congregation says, how dare you speak out? My son Johnny uh, is, uh, is in a same-sex relationship and he's a nice young boy and God loves him and God made him this way, so how dare you speak? If I hear another sermon like that, I'm going to go to the church board. We're going to, we're going to you know, and so all of a sudden, the pastor begins to back up. And uh, what's happened, but it goes back be before that. Um, I think it goes back to abortion. Churches quit taking a stand on abortion, many of them. They begin to compromise on that. And if you can compromise on that, it's easy to compromise on LGBTQ or anything else. Anything else. Right. And, and, that's, and that's where we are today. We, we have compromised. Well, we, we talked about this mandate here in Illinois about LGBT history, but what role should the church play if a lot of parents say, I've had it with the public school system. There's a role for the church to play here. No question. You know, there are a number of churches that already have you know, schools, uh, and there may be more now come as a result of this, uh, having schools associated with the church. What's wrong with that? Uh, private school that's run by the church. And there's some great, great schools in this country uh, that go all the way through high school that are associated with churches. So that may be something that uh, congregations will have to, the bigger ones will have to uh, think about. And, and then the big churches go out and, and canvass the communities with the smaller churches, say, hey, you want to be a part of it, and let's all join in this together. I don't know. A lot of Christians in Illinois are discouraged by what's happening in our state. We're becoming the uh, abortion capital of the U.S. Uh, we're up against the big push for all things LGBT. There's legal high-potency marijuana and high taxes. Please give us a word of encouragement. <laughs> Vote. 
That's what I'd say. You've got a chance to vote. You, the 2020 election, you can... I believe if the Christians went out and voted, what happens is they don't. I think the last election, a, a big percentage of Christians, evangelicals, went out and voted. Just take the evangelicals, if they just went, every one of them in this state voted. You know, elections are not won or lost by millions of votes. Sometimes it's down to a few hundred. If you just take Al Gore and, and George W. Bush, uh, they were down in Florida counting chads. We didn't, nobody in this country knew what a hanging chad was until that, that uh, election. But it was just decided by a handful of hanging chads. And so I think the Christians here in Illinois, if, if you're fed up with the, with the system, well, then vote and get your family to vote, get your kids to vote, and uh, get people out there to vote. And we think about abortion and um, how many children have been aborted since Roe versus Wade. 60 million. Uh, and I think about the future. What happened to those kids? whose lives were just ended by whatever. I can't change that, but we can help raise up an army of young men and women today that know the Word of God that will be the leaders in the next generation. And I hope that one day we can see this, all this stuff overturned, Roe v. Wade. We just don't give up. Uh, it can be turned. Vote, no question, vote. But invest in the next generation of kids. What's next for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association? Just keep preaching. That's what we do. Amen. Well, you're a very busy man. Why did you accept the invitation to speak at the Illinois Family Institute well, banquet? Well, I, I, don't, I don't have a chance to speak at many things like this, but I try to do a few a year. I want to, I want to speak out for life, and, I, and especially here in Illinois where it seems like you all are under the gun a little bit. I thought it was just important to come and, and maybe uh, uh, see what I could do to help. Well, our values are your values, and we very much appreciate you standing with us. No, thank you. The Reverend Franklin Graham, please pray for and support the work of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Samaritan's Purse. Find out more at billygram.org and samaritanspurse.org. Please be in prayer about the election, register to vote, or update your registration. Try to vote early and in person to make sure your vote is counted. But if you vote by mail, track your ballot by contacting your county clerk's office. And before you vote, order copies of the Illinois Family Institute's Nonpartisan Voter Guide. The guide is free and it lets you know where the candidates stand on life, liberty, taxes, and other key issues. For copies, go to IllinoisFamily.org and click Voter Guide or call IFI at 708-781-9328. An online version of the Voter Guide is also available at IllinoisFamily.org. Please support the work of IFI. All donations are tax-deductible, and tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay safe, stay active, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. 
Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.